Robert. Hello, Meryl. Hello, listening audience. Um, thank you for joining us again for another installment in our coverage of the COVID-19 crisis and its impact in smaller communities across our state. So, Meryl, I know we've got another conversation um, that we're going to share with our audience today. Who do we have um, today? Now we're going to hear from Curtis Calloway. Curtis works with Shaw Industries, who is the biggest manufacturer in the state of Georgia. Um, their footprint in terms of their employee watershed is huge, covers most of Northwest Georgia and many other parts of the state. So we'll get a perspective from a business dealing with both their administrative uh, positions and employees, as well as their hourly workers in manufacturing factories across the state. Awesome. Let's jump into it. Hey, Curtis. Thank you so much for taking my call. I'm happy to do it. Well, we're happy to hear from you. Can you please introduce yourself to our listening audience? Sure. My name is Curtis Calloway. I work for Shaw Industries. We are a floor covering manufacturer based in Dalton, Georgia, and I am a communications director and part of our corporate communications team. And I know y'all are based in Dalton, but you have facilities all across mostly northwest Georgia, right? Right. We have a a large footprint in northwest Georgia where we began and have been for over 50 years, but we also have facilities throughout the southeast and then uh, additional manufacturing in California and China and Scotland, actually. My goodness. Um, Well, I'm very excited to get your voice on this. Uh, on this podcast to sort of talk through from a large industry perspective, especially one so large, but also that serves some pretty small communities as well. Um, what's going on? How are we doing? How? Uh, what have you guys put in place to deal with the COVID-19 crisis? Well, it's certainly been challenging for us, as it has uh, everyone across our country. And uh, we certainly learned a lot, but our our goal is to continually keep our employee base safe and to make the best decisions we can for our employees and to also uh, continue to serve our customers as much as we can. So Shaw has, for the most part, remained open and operational. We we do have some facilities that have gone down um, for uh, various reasons, which we can get into but we are still considered essential. So we are operating to make sure that we continue to help serve that housing market, which is continues to to build and commercial projects that are continuing. We're seeing a lot of uh, education projects uh, up and running right now because schools are closed. So they can Mm -hmm. do some of those construction projects that they they might not normally do. Uh, Hospitality obviously has been hugely impacted, but the building continues, and so we have to continue to to service that. And you know, really, the a, a quick example is that we've seen some really large orders come through for temporary or makeshift hospitals. And so, two projects in particular in Reno and in White Plains, New York, uh, serving New York New York City area, are these are. <laughs> hospitals that have been built in parking garages or in parking lots uh, to serve uh, those that are uh, either have it or the anticipated growth of the virus. So they have to have floors. And so that's you know one, one of the reasons why we are continuing to operate to, to service those projects. My goodness. That's, yep, that counts as very, very essential these days. So what have you guys put in place to sort of respond to this new normal how how is business how is business going forward 
Yeah, so definitely mindful of uh, enacting social distancing and separation as much as we possibly can. And, and I, I was in one of our facilities yesterday, and they have gone to extreme levels to make sure that it happens. And from even things as, as rerouting the way people come in and exit the building so that they're not passing each other during a shift change. And then, you know, there's markings on the ground to make sure people are staying apart. There's They're limiting um, they're limiting exposure in break rooms, so uh, only certain numbers of people can go in at a time, and then they've staggered breaks and um, additional cleanings, uh, thorough cleanings that are happening uh, around the clock. I watched a forklift or a lift truck operator, I should say, uh, get off his vehicle yesterday when his shift was over and completely wipe it down and disinfect it so that it would be ready for that next shift. Um, so again, I, I just think those diligent and thorough cleanings and, and mindfulness of um, of the surroundings, th those have been really important. Um, we have begun providing masks to our hourly employees as they're in the manufacturing environments, um, not requiring them to be worn, but making them available should someone want to wear it. And for, from what I've seen, people are definitely taking advantage of that. So really, yeah, and then uh, one neat story is that we've, we have a chemical operation as part of our facilities, and we've begun to manufacture our own hand sanitizer and disinfectant cleaners because of the oh, demand. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, so... Uh, Way to pivot. That's great. Yeah, exactly. But it's, it was in our wheelhouse, though. That's mm -hmm. something that we kind of had experience in already. And when things began uh, to be scarce and from a supply chain standpoint, we said this is something that we can do to at least help internally with um, these supplies that are desperately needed. So we've kept that largely internal. Um, we just we don't have the capacity to make external donations at this point, but it's certainly helped our large footprint of facilities uh, continue to maintain that cleanliness and sanitation that's well, necessary. Certainly, and that's an awful lot of people that you're keeping safe, so that's wonderful. Can you tell me what um, challenges you continue to face with this? I mean, I know, besides the obvious, uh, but broadly, what does this look like from Shaw's perspective? Yeah, I mean, we could go a, diff a couple different ways. You know, from my perspective in, in the communications field, um, we have chosen to really over-communicate with our employees because there is anxiety, there, is, there are questions out there, and so our perspective is the more consistent and regular information we can provide to associates to reassure them, help them understand the strategy, help them know what the decisions are, and help them to know where where our cases are. Um, we, we have a, a case tracker on our intranet so that people know um, where coworkers are sick, and so um, it's it's helping to bring the community together, even though we are very much apart right now physically. Um, and we've we've chosen to highlight some of the stories that uh, we think resonate with with our people. So those business stories, like the hospitals that I shared, but then mm -hmm. also the donations that we've made in the community, and and we've seen that that's something that people really respond to, and it's really part of our culture to 
share the things that we're doing in the community so that people can rally behind it and, and feel good about where they're where they're working. No, I think that's so important. Everybody wants to do something to help and so the fact that you're doing it it helps your employees yeah. I would think. I mean yeah, and it's a challenge when you have a workforce that is administrative and connected digitally via all the different electronic tools. You also have a, a large workforce that is in the facility, is helping to make our product, to move our product. And um, that is a challenge when you kind of have two different workforces. And so we have some that are, are very much working remotely and then there's some that are that continue to come in because of the essential nature of the business so that certainly provides a challenge and and answering their the questions of the manufacturing workforce and helping them to understand is is something that we're continuing to work on can i ask about your communication strategies because i know that that's a similar issue in lots of communities how do we get the word out when we're not supposed to come together in person and not everybody has a strong internet access, for example. Yeah, we, we've certainly leveraged the channels that we had in place, and I can go into some of those. I mean, they're, they're pretty standard for a business, would be your your email, your company websites, w- whether they be internal mm-hmm. or uh, external-facing or internal intranet-type sites, social media. Um, we have an employee-only app where we've posted both news announcements about um, policies and and changes and manufacturing updates, but also the community stories where you know Shaw's uh, making donations and, and helping and and soliciting volunteers for different things. So that employee channel has been really important for us. Uh, but we've also seen our teams begin to leverage technology that we've had for some time, but have kind of, it's kind of always sat by itself. So we didn't do a lot of video conferences in the past. We didn't do that many webinars, but it's become the new norm. And it's been kind of exciting to see us pivot to use these technologies and kind of embrace them really quickly. And, continue to to operate kind of as we always have but doing it more virtually i think it's um you know maybe a silver lining in all this is that we've become more collaborative intentionally in a way that maybe we weren't so much so in the past with our team so i think that's pretty neat we've seen some leaders leverage video in in ways that maybe they would be uncomfortable doing previously, mm-hmm. even as raw as just shooting a video on your iPhone and distributing it to, you know, a thousand person team. Uh, that was not something that we saw a lot of in the past, but it's, even though it is raw, it has become very effective for some of those teams. And, um, you know, I think we're learning that sometimes you don't always have to have that production polish on certain types mm-hmm. of communications where uh, it really just calls for authenticity um, and 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 immediacy. No, I think that's so true, especially at a time like this. We're all sort of offering each other some patience and some grace. Right. It's okay if it's a, it's okay if you didn't spend, you know, three hours in hair and makeup before you go right. to face the 
face your people. Um, can you tell me some bright spots, some places, something? Tell me what you want your neighbors to know that they could learn from or could cheer them up. <laughs> well, you know, I always, I personally value what we do in our in the communities where we work and where we live, and that's always been a strong point for the company. It's really part of our culture, as I mentioned earlier. And we've received, as you would probably expect, a number of requests from the community for help, for supplies, um, for things like that. And where we've been able to help, we've done a lot. And I know that that'll probably continue as as we ride this out. But you know, from from things like just sending over meals to area hospitals from local restaurants and we've we've done that several times to giving N95 masks to area hospitals that came from our stocks that we you know decided to donate rather than to to hold on to we've connected uh, area agencies to our supply network, so maybe mm. that they could access suppliers that they wouldn't normally connect with and get goods uh, quicker than than normal. Uh, we've we have um, I mentioned the the hand sanitizer we produced internally. We have um, really a, a neat project that initiated from our employees was. Uh, was around face shields and the medical community needing that extra protection. And it turns out that we have this uh, maker space, um, which is a place where we go and do rapid prototyping and people go and solve problems that are related to manufacturing. And we have a lot of 3D printers over there. And so some of the people at the maker space said, hey, let's, let's design a face shield and churn some of those out. And so that's been a really neat project. And we've made face shield donations to area hospitals and we've donated tablets. We donated 100 tablets to uh, speech and occupational therapy students in Whitfield and Murray counties so that they can continue to do their schooling uh, while the, away. So, you know, a lot of these, these things are just, um, you know, make you proud for the company you work for. And, and we certainly have a lot of resources um, and a lot of folks that, that are passionate. So we, we, we definitely leverage that and understand that that's not always the case for other organizations, but um, it just, it, it, it certainly makes us um, proud of the place we're working. It that's feels wonderful, like, Curtis. Yeah. That really is. That's, that is absolutely a bright spot and so heartwarming to hear. I know Shaw has always been so deeply involved in the communities that you work in. Um, and from our perspective, always been very supportive of education. But this is, yeah. this is, I, I expected nothing less, but it's still just, it's very exciting to hear. Thank you. Um, well, I appreciate you and I appreciate your time. Um, and keep up the good work. Stay safe. Thank you very much, Meryl. Uh, we will. And, um, you know, we, we certainly long for the day when we're kind of back to normal, but uh, we're we're making it the best we can, and, and we're um, happy to help and partner with our local communities. Thank you so much. All right. Bye. Okay, bye. Remember, we just heard 
we just heard from Curtis Calloway of Shaw Industries, and he shared some really interesting pieces of information about how they are managing the crisis. A couple of them really caught my attention. One is they're leveraging internal resources to engage, to keep their staff safe, right? So they're making their own hand sanitizer, and they're doing things that they can do with what they already have, and I thought that was really cool. I love that. I loved that they pivoted in that way um, and are working hard to make sure that their folks are safe. Um, one of the other pieces that really struck me from that conversation, and this I think has come up in a number of these, is the importance of clear, transparent communication and maybe over communication. Mm. Um, making sure that everyone is no is in the loop to know what's going on at various plants, with various departments, um, with health concerns, with 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 whatever the new normal is, but also just making sure that the information gets out there. I mean, we've heard that from communities across the state, and this is just another example of that, the critical nature of clear communication in times of crisis. Yep, absolutely. Well, once again, we are uh, grateful for our listeners as we wrap up this Another episode and special edition of Field Notes. We wish you well. Please take care of yourselves, and we will catch you next time. Stay safe out there. Hey there, listener. One more thing before you go. You've been hearing from us, but we'd love to hear from you. We at the Georgia Partnership always want to get better at what we're doing, so let us know what you think so far. Also, what are we missing out there across this great state? Who's doing cool things in your neighborhood to support the education and workforce pipeline? What innovations and solutions has your community come up with around economic development? Are there some great partnerships between sectors like housing, health, transportation that are making a difference in your educational outcomes? We'd love to hear about them and spread the word about good work being done across Georgia. We hope to hear from you. Contact us, go to our website, gpee.org and click on the Contact Us tab in the top right corner. Or give Robert, our communications guru, a call at 404-223-2464. Thanks for listening, listener.